0: Chapter 15 of The Mystery Girl by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15. Fleming Stone comes. Terence, Yes, sir? We're off for New England. New England it is. Start this afternoon, stay a few days, and maybe a week among the classic shades of Corinth. Corinth it is. This somewhat laconic conversation was all that was necessary for Fleming Stone's assistant and general factotum to make preparations for the trip, achieve tickets, and arrive with his chief at the train gate at the proper time. Terence McGuire, sometimes called fibsy because of a certain tendency to mendacity, had begun as Stone's office boy, and by virtue of his general aptitude for detective work and his utter devotion to Stone, had become a worthwhile and much appreciated assistant. Not only did the lad look after all details of their trips as well as taking care of the offices, but many times his ingenious mind so stimulated or aided Stone's own. "'that more often than not they were practically colleagues. "'They had a compartment to themselves at the end of the car, "'and they were no sooner started than Stone began to discuss the case with the boy. "'I don't know all the details, of course,' he began, "'but it's a setting after my own heart.' "'Then I can guess it,' put in the wise Fibsy, "'Man found dead in sealed room.' "'You're a wizard. What made you think of that?' "'Cause that's the problem you like best, F. Stone. Wise me up some more. "'It's further interesting, because the victim is a great and good man, "'in fact, the president-elect of the University of Corinth.' "'My, somebody didn't want him for president? That the idea?' "'Apparently not.' nothing in the letter about that. Who wrote the letter? The relative who inherits the whole estate. He do the job? No reason as yet to think so, but the criminal mustn't be guessed at. The point is the locked room. How was the killing done? Stabbed. No weapon found and no way to get in or out of the locked room fine problem yes if we don't find a secret stairway or a lying servant such cases generally fizzle out that way fibs you're a boy cassandra what's that stone explained for it was his habit to supplement mcguire's very scant education by bits of information now and then when time served "'But there's a queer clause in the arrangement,' Stone went on. "'If we find the evidence leading in a certain direction, the chase is to cease.' "'That won't do.' "'Of course not, and I'll soon make that clear, but I can't think it will lead in the given direction, as that implicates a young girl, and rarely indeed have I found a criminal answering to that description.' "'Tisn't usual, but you know, F. Stone, since the war, girls are so independent and so cocky that there's no telling what they'll do. Me for the girl, as a suspect. "'Fibsy, you're a fool.' "'No, sir, I don't admit it. See here, sir, if they're so afraid suspicion will turn to that girl, there's reason for it. Yet, as you can guess, if she didn't do it, they want her skirts entirely cleared. "'Pretty good deduction so far. But we can't judge rationally until we know the facts.' The facts were told them when, some hours later, they sat alone with Maurice Trask in the room where John Waring breathed his last. "'I'm a plain man,' Trask said for he didn't care to pose unduly before an astute detective. "'I've come into this estate of my cousin's, my second cousin he was, and I started out with a firm determination to find the villain who killed him. But there is some cause for suspicion of the young lady I expect to marry, and here's the situation. If you can solve the mystery of Dr. Waring's death— and free that girl from any taint of blame go ahead but if your investigation leads to her stop it i want to marry her just the same whether she killed anybody or not but if she didn't do it i want to know it can't you learn the truth from the young lady herself if she is your fiancée asked stone "'Oh, she says she didn't do it, of course. But there's such an overwhelming mass of evidence, or apparent evidence, against her, that it's the deepest sort of a mystery.'" Main Facts First Where was the body found? In that desk chair, seated at his desk, as he often was evenings, reading in a Latin book, so, you see, he wasn't looking for trouble. Found dead in the morning? Been dead all night? Yes, to both questions. And locked in his room. Had to break in. And no weapon about? Not a sign of any? Then that cuts out all suicide idea. It does and it doesn't. You may as well say the locked up room cuts out all idea of a murder but it must be one or the other. And isn't it more plausible to look for some way that the murderer could have gone away and left the room locked than to think up a way that the suicide could have disposed of this weapon? Yes, that's so, but I want you to investigate both possibilities. You see, if you could provide a suicide, that would free Miss Austin at once. And, if things go against her, I want you to—oh, hang it, it's hard to put into words. "'I'll do that,' said Fibsy. "'If things go against Miss Austin, you want Mr. Stone to frame up suicide and declare it the truth.' "'Exactly that,' and Trask looked relieved at the thought all his cards were on the table. "'I don't want Miss Austin suspected.' but I do want to know if she's innocent. Any other suspects? asked Stone. Not definite ones. There's the Japanese who absconded that same night, and, of course, there's the secretary, Gordon Lockwood. I'd like to suspect him, all right, and he has a round silver penholder that just fits the wound the killed wearing, but it doesn't look like he did it and never would have left the penholder in evidence and he would have arranged matters to look more like a suicide then too how could he lock the door behind him that question must be answered first of all said stone i'll examine the room of course but after the local police and detectives have done that i doubt if i find anything enlightening So far as I can see, this whole affair is unique, and I think we'll find some surprising evidence, and soon. Tell me more of this Miss Austin. Who is she? Nobody knows. In fact, they call her Miss Mystery, because so little is known of her. She appeared here in Corinth from nowhere. She knew no one, and as she began to make acquaintances, "'Somebody brought her over here. "'She met Dr. Waring, and inside of twenty-four hours "'had so bewitched him that it would seem "'he had her visiting him in his study late at night. "'She said at first she wasn't here, "'but as she left the impress of her dress trimmings "'on that chair back, and as she has a ruby pin "'and a lot of money that were in the doctor's possession,' It looks, one might say, a bit queer. Weren't the valuables planted on her? put in Fibsy. That's what she says, or rather, that's one of the things she said. The girl contradicts herself continually. She says one thing one day, and another the next. Is she pretty? this from Fibsy. Pretty as the devil and that's not so bad as a description. She has great big dark eyes with straight black brows that almost meet. She has a jaunty little face that can be roguish or scornful or merry or pathetic, as the little rascal chooses. She has completely bowled me over, and I'd be glad to have her on my terms and whatever her past history. But there it is. If she has a clean slate in this murder business, I want to know it. And if she hasn't? Then I don't want anybody else to know it. If you find, Mr. Stone, real evidence that Anita Austin killed John Waring, or if she confesses to the deed, then you whip around and prove a suicide and I'll double your charge. You needn't do anything wrong, you know. Just sum up that all indications point to a suicide and let it go at that. Nobody will arrest Miss Austin if you say that. You must be crazy, Mr. Trask, returned Stone, coldly. I don't conduct my business on any such principle as those. I can't perjure myself to save your lady-love from a just condemnation. You haven't seen her yet. Trask nodded his sagacious head. "'Wait till you do.' "'Give me all the points against her,' the detective suggested. "'I will. I'd rather you knew them from me. Not that I'll color them. They're facts that speak for themselves, but other people might exaggerate them. Well, to begin with, this girl, a day or so after she arrived here, was seen kissing the picture of Dr. Waring, which he had cut from a newspaper. I tell you this, cause you'll hear it anyway, and the gossips think it shows a previous acquaintance between the two. But I hold that as girls have matinee idols and movie heroes, this girl might have easily adored the scholarly man, though she had never seen him. "'It is possible,' Stone agreed but not very probable she denies they were acquainted yes vows she never saw him until one night she went to his lecture soon after her arrival here what is she in corinth for to sketch she's an artist go on well as i said she must have come here that sunday night for one of the boarders at the house she lives in Saw her cross the snowy field. Also, the footprints just fitted her shoes. Also, the tracks led right up on the side porch here to that long French window and led right back again to the Adams house. Phew, fibsy exploded. Aren't you rubbing it in? Well, that's what they tell me, Trask asserted doggedly. And I want you to know it all, Mr. Stone, before the other people tell you a garbled version. Go on. Then, they say, the girl left marks of her dress trimming on that chair, and Lockwood, the secretary, rubbed them off the next morning, as soon as the body was discovered. We have the word of two witnesses for this episode. Who are the witnesses? Ito, the Japanese butler, and Miss Peyton, who lives in this house. Go on. Well, then, ever since the tragedy, Miss Austin has acted queer, queer in all sorts of ways. She is sad and desolate one minute, and saucy and independent the next. I can't make her out at all, and she is more than half in love with this Lockwood... I have to cut him out, you see, and I figure if you prove the case against Miss Austin, and if I agree to marry her, and hush up the whole matter, and make it seem a suicide—' "'You figure that she'll throw over the secretary for you,' cried Fibsy, his eyes aghast at the man's plan. "'Exactly that. You see, Mr. Stone, I don't try to deceive you.' While I have a natural sorrow at my cousin's death, yet remember that I never knew him in life, and that, while I want to avenge his death in any case but one, I do not want to, if it implicates Anita Austin. I understand, said Stone, seemingly not so shocked at the conversation as his assistant was. There's another queer thing, said Trask. They tell me that when the body was found, there was the impress of a ring on the forehead. A seal ring? Oh no, not a finger ring, but a circle, about two inches across. A red mark, as if it had been made as a sign or a symbol of some sort. It remained on the flesh? Until the embalming process took place, that removed it. I didn't see it, but I'm told it was a clearly defined circle, quite evidently impressed with some intent. "'Sounds like a sign of a secret society,' Fibsy suggested, but Stone paid no heed. "'Let's reconstruct the case,' he said. Waring sat at his desk, his secretary outside in that hall. "'Yes.' THE JAPANESE, THE OTHER ONE, THE ONE THAT DISAPPEARED, BROUGHT IN WATER, AND THEN DOCTOR Waring CLOSED THE DOOR AND LOCKED IT. IMMEDIATELY? I DON'T KNOW THAT, BUT ANYWAY, NO ONE THAT WE KNOW OF SAW HIM AGAIN, ALIVE. NOGI IS UNDER NO SUSPICION, FOR AFTER HE CAME OUT OF THE ROOM, THE DOCTOR ROSE AND LOCKED THE DOOR. Lockwood can't be suspected as he heard the door locked and couldn't get in. He is more or less suspected because of his penholder, but much as I should like to think him the criminal, I know he isn't. You're very honest, Mr. Trask? Yes, because I want the truth. Can you get it? I think so. You still eliminate suicide? I can't see how I can think it, with no weapon. You say that death was instantaneous?" Yes, the doctors agree that it was. Positively, he had no chance to hide or dispose of the instrument of death. And why should he? Suicides never make their death seem a murder, though often a murderer tries to simulate a suicide. "'Yet that wasn't done in this case, or the murderer would have left the weapon.' "'That may be the very point he neglected. "'Now, how did the murderer get out? "'Get busy, fibs!' "'For nearly half an hour, the three men searched the room. "'Had there been any secret exit or any concealed passage, it must have been found.' Fleming Stone's knowledge of architecture would not let him overlook anything of the sort, and Fibsy's alert eyes and quick wits would have found anything out of the ordinary. No way out, Stone concluded, finally, and no way of locking a door or a window after departure from the room. Looks as if the murder theory was as untenable as the other. No chance of a natural death? With a round hole in his jugular vein? No, sir. The doctors here won't stand for that. Try again. I shall. I don't know when I've had such a baffling, intriguing case as this appears to be at first sight. It may resolve itself into a simple problem, but I can't think so now. Even if it were the work of your Miss Austin, how did she get in and out? Oh, she got in all right, wearing letter-in at the French window. Probably that's when he locked his door. But, say she killed him. How did she get out and lock the room behind her? She couldn't. The window locks are bolts and could not be shot from outside. For the moment I see no explanation. It is blank, utter mystery." When can I see Miss Austin? Too late tonight. Tomorrow morning will have to do. But she won't run away. The police won't let her. Yet they can't hold her. They are doing so. They claim she was the last one to see the victim alive. Does she admit that? Not she. She admits nothing. You'll get nothing out of that little sphinx. All right then, Mr. Trask, if you've finished your tale, suppose you leave me here to ruminate over this thing, and I'll go up to my room when I wish. Trask went off to bed, and Stone and his young assistant sat and looked at each other. Up against it, F. Stone? I certainly am, fibs. And yet, the thing is so absolutely impossible that there must be a solution within easy reach. It can't be suicide with the weapon gone, and it can't be murder with the room locked up. Now, as it must be either suicide or murder, then it follows that either the weapon isn't gone or the room isn't locked up. Wasn't, you mean? Yes, wasn't. BUT I DON'T YET THINK THAT ANYONE DISTURBED THE CONDITIONS PURPOSELY, FOR WHY WOULD THE SECRETARY TAKE AWAY THE WEAPON TO MAKE IT SEEM A SUICIDE? HE WOULD IF HE DID IT. HE DIDN'T DO IT. TRASK SEES THAT. THE MAN TRASK IS A SHARP ONE. HE SEES ALL THERE IS TO SEE, AND SINCE THERE'S PRACTICALLY NOTHING TO SEE THAT SOLVES THE MYSTERY, HE SENT FOR ME. It would be a good one on me, Terence, if I have to give the thing up as unsolvable. That won't happen, F. Stone, but I'm free to confess I can't see any way to look. The next morning, Maurice Trask went over to the Adams house and brought Miss Mystery back with him. She came willingly enough, and the interview with the detective took place in the room of the tragedy itself stone noticed that the girl showed no horror or distaste of the scene and even sat in the chair he placed for her which was the same plush covered one that had received the tell-tale imprints fleming stone regarded miss austin curiously not only was her beauty all that trask had described it but there was an added quality of finesse a trace of high mentality that, naturally enough, Maurice Trask quite overlooked. At first glance, Stone's thought was, That child commit murder? Never. But a few moments later, he was not quite so sure of his negation. Fibsy just sat and looked at her. He had no occasion to speak, unless addressed to. So, in silence, he merely let his eyes feast on the piquant face with its ever-changing expressions. After casual questions, Stone said directly, "'Did you know Dr. Waring before you came to Corinth, Miss Austin?" "'No,' she said a little hesitantly. "'I had heard of him, but I had never before seen him.' "'How had you heard of him?' there was much in the papers about his election and that interested you not specially she said with a sudden accession of hauteur, and thereupon she became a most unsatisfactory witness she listened to stone's questions with an absent-minded air answering in monosyllables or by a movement of her head she even gave a side smile to fibsy which though it amazed him also filled him with a strange exultant joy and made him her abject slave at once stone went on drawling out a string of unimportant questions in a monotonous voice and at length he said in the same unimportant way and when you saw dr waring that night was there a red ring in his forehead "'No,' said Miss Austin, and then, suddenly awakening to what she had done, she cried impetuously, "'I mean, I don't know. I wasn't here.' Stone smiled gravely. "'You were here,' he said. "'Now, let us talk about what happened during your visit.' An interruption was caused by a tap at the closed door impatiently trask rose and went to the door it was ito bringing a telegram for miss austin it had arrived at the adams house and had been sent over miss mystery read it with great difficulty controlled her agitation as she quickly went to the blazing log fire and dropped the paper in skip over to the telegraph office and get a copy said stone quietly and fibsy obeyed then to miss austin's continued distress stone read the message aloud it was from san francisco and it said better own up and tell the whole truth i have annexed carl it was signed merely a and apparently it was of dire import to its recipient Miss Mystery sat silent and wide-eyed in desperation as she looked hopelessly from one to another. "'Don't you think,' said Stone, not unkindly, "'that you'd better follow A's advice and make a clean breast of the whole matter?' End of chapter 15